Getting Past the Past, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. So you say your past is haunting you, hurting you, and holding you back. What, if anything, can you do about it? Well, today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will suggest three very practical things you can do with your past. We talked about the first last time, and that was to forget the past. Let's see what the other two are now as we join Pastor Ed in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Forgive the past. Look at Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. This is a familiar passage. It's the story, it's the, pro, it's the story, the parable of the prodigal son. Forgive your past. Forgiveness is so key to a healthy, vibrant life in Jesus Christ. We pick up in verse 11 of Luke 15 to find a young man who's so caught up in himself, he's about ready to make a serious mistake, a serious sin. It's going to happen in an instant of time. It says in verse 11, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, forgive me, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Let's just pause there for a second. Let me give you an understanding of what's going on here. The inheritance will go to the children when the father dies. So in this young man's life, he's deciding, you know, I want my inheritance now. So in essence, he's got enough courage to come to his dad. And what he's telling his dad is, Dad... I wish you were dead right now. Imagine those words coming from your mouth. I wish you were dead because I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait for you to die. I don't want to wait all these. I want what's mine. I know I haven't worked for it. I know you've worked for it. But, but I want what's mine. And I wish you were out of the picture. Some of the selfishness and hatred in his heart. He truly is separated from his dad at this point. He surely is far from him. In verse 13, it says, Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. You might want to circle the verbs in verse 13. He gathered, he journeyed, and he wasted. That's what sin will do to you. It'll waste you. You'll be wasted. That's the end. You might be deciding some things right now. You've got a decision before you. One is really, the, the answer to one is a really holy decision. And then one might be a little compromise. Let me just tell you, as you gather and as you journey, if you choose the compromise, you're going to waste your life. You might waste a day, a two days, a month, a couple years, but it'll waste. You can repent. You could turn right now. And that's what he did. He said, I wasted everything. I took all of my, I told my dad I don't need him anymore. I don't want him anymore. I went out. I took everything that was his and I wasted it. Verse 14, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and it began to be in want. Because the world would never satisfy you. Have you noticed that? Never. The world never satisfies. He began to be in want because the world ripped him off. And he went and joined himself, verse 15, to a citizen of that country, sent him into the fields to feed swine, and there he is feeding the pigs, and he's so hungry, in verse 16, that he would have eaten what the swine ate, verse 17. But when he came to himself, 
Mark that, because those of you that might be praying for prodigals right now, you need to pray that they'll come to themselves. It might become a prayer like, do whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes, I want them to come to themselves. I want them to recognize and realize that where they're at right now is not God's best. It's not the Father's best. They're not in the favor of the Father right now. They're doing things on their own, miserably wasting their life. But when he came to himself, he starts to reason. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Isn't that a great picture of our heavenly father? Doesn't even wait for him to come back. As soon as he sees him, I'm certain he was looking down that road every single day. Is my boy coming home? And the moment he saw his boy, it's over. I'm going to go get him. I'm going to help him back the last couple steps. I want him to know that I love him. I want him to know that I care about him. I want him to know that I thought about him every day that he was gone. The father runs. You know, when you turn back to Jesus, that's what the father does in your life. He runs to you. He doesn't wait and go, oh, come all the way. On your knee. And he's got the arms crossed. And, you know, that's really a sign of tension and anger. But that's not what we read in the psalm this morning, is it? Our God is full of love and mercy and compassion. And when he sees you and I turn back after how many years or days or months or even hours of prodigal living, he runs with compassion. And the son's all messed up, verse 21. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Do you know what that verse is? Condemnation. I'm not even worthy. I'll just be a slave. I just, I, I'm, I don't even know why I'm here. I've so blown it. I took, Dad, I told you I, I don't even love you. I told you I don't want, I, I don't even, maybe he just got the words out and started crying. I'm not even worthy. Condemnation. The verse 22, but the father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. And that would be the end of the story. It's a great party. It's wonderful. The prodigal's back. He's repented. He's changed. He's learned. He's washed. He's cleansed. He's a son. The dad, the son, we're all hooked up. The family's back together. What a great time. There's forgiveness. The dad forgives. The son receives it. He's not a servant. He's still a son. Forgiveness, forgiveness. Now the older son. Verse 25 was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house and he heard the music and dancing and he jumped in and rejoiced that his brother was back. That's not what it says, is it? You could call the older brother Mr. Condemnation. The father representing forgiveness and freedom. The father, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation, son. I'm glad you're home. The, the, the older brother, oh no, no, he's not happy. So he called one of the servants, asked him what these things meant, and he said, your brother's come, and because he's received him safe and sound, your father's killed the fatted calf. He was angry and would not go in, it says in verse 28. 
He was angry. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Do you know there will be people that bring up your past because they're angry? They're still angry. Some of those people might be you. You're still angry. It's not enough to bring out the fatted calf and the robe and the ring and rejoice that what God, what the enemy had tried to destroy, God has restored. That's not enough for you. There, somebody has to pay a price, right? There's got to be a price to be paid. And I'd say that there's some truth to that. There does need to be a price to be paid. Jesus Christ himself has paid the price for your forgiveness. He himself became sin so that we who knew no sin might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, there is prices paid, but there's anger and bitterness and frustration. And you're wondering, when will it ever leave? It will leave when you forgive the past. When you forgive those in your past. When you receive the forgiveness of God for your own past. You forget the past. You forgive the past. This brother, this Mr. Condemnation, he will not forgive. And he hasn't forgotten. As a matter of fact, not only does he not want to forgive and he hasn't forgotten, he says in verse 29, he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. He's got an eye problem, doesn't he? It's the whole essence of Romans chapter 7. Remember, that was Paul's issue. It was all about him. It was his struggle, his own strength. But when he, when he allowed the power of God's Holy Spirit, when he found, who's gonna, what a wretched man I am. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? Oh, I thank God that he sent Christ Jesus. You know, this, this choice is set before you. What son will you be? The one that rests and enjoys and receives and extends forgiveness or this other son? So much emphasis over the years has been on the prodigal son, but the real prodigal son never went anywhere. He was the spiritual one, the one that appeared to have everything in order, the one that you would look and say, that's a spiritual man or that's a spiritual woman, but inside they were full of rottenness that was only revealed by the younger son's sin. And both sons have the father's forgiveness. Only one has chosen to enjoy it. Only one has chosen to say, you know what, Dad, I love you. I'm messed up. I need you. Thank you. I'm so, so sorry. Verse 30, as soon as this son of yours came, doesn't even call him his brother anymore, this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed the fatted calf for him, and he said, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness for you, forgiveness for those that have hurt you. Condemnation is rooted in unforgiveness. That's its root. It starts with looking back over our shoulders in the past, and then it begins to grow with unforgiveness. If you're condemned here today, then you're not receiving the forgiveness that's so readily yours in Jesus. And if you are condemning others, then you're not extending the forgiveness that is yours in Jesus. It's a sad and a twisted way to live life that passes so quickly like sand right through our hands. I mean, time is flying by at breakneck speed. 
And so Paul, he says in Romans chapter 8, now, right now, there is no con. Right now, today, redeem the time because the Father forgives the repentant. The Father forgives the repentant. Isn't that wonderful? See, you wouldn't even be repentant if it wasn't for the Spirit of God in you, stirring you. The very fact that you want to say you're sorry is His Spirit convicting you and calling you and drawing you near to Himself. The day that you say, I'm just so sick of my sin, I just hate it, God is working in you and drawing you, you come back to the Father, and you realize, though, that there's always going to be a big brother around, right? You realize that. There's always going to be those that want to bring back the past. There's always going to be those that will use it as a tool to try to beat you down, but in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You know, there are always those that want to focus on the bad and the negative. Have you noticed? There are always those. A hundred great things could be happening, and they found the one bad. A hundred wonderful, sweet, great, glorious, grand things. I mean, it's summertime in Colorado. Woohoo! Did you see the cloud? No, I didn't see the cloud, man. Sorry. Well, there's a cloud up there. Great. Clouds are wonderful. They're from the Lord, aren't they? Oh, they're great. They're full of water. <laughs> Whatever. You know, from time to time, you know, around the sanctuary here, we don't have a formal offering. There are offering boxes throughout, scattered throughout the sanctuary. They're there for what? Tithes and offerings and prayer requests. But there are from time to time in the offering box... People are not offering their tithes. They're offering their comments. I mean, after a Sunday, the Lord is speaking and ministering through music, through ministry, through fellowship. It's glorious. It's grand. It's the highlight of the week, Sunday morning. I mean, it is it. This is a time where God refreshes us and strengthens us because we know Monday's coming, but Sunday's today. Oh, Lord, it's so great. And then at the end of a day like that, you'll have somebody write, I don't like the carpet here. Oh, oh. What? You don't like what? The offering boxes filled with, well, filled with attitude. The enemy's slick, isn't he? Bring you in a time where God wants to meet you and minister to you, a highlight of the week, and got your eyes on carpet. The hallways are crowded. I didn't find a parking space or any number of things to cloud out and cloud away the reality that Jesus loves you and you love him. And it's a great thing to be a Christian. People are getting saved and lives are being turned around, but you don't like the carpet. Listen, repent because the carpet isn't that big a deal. We're in a society, we're in a society that says it's all about you. And then God says, no, it's not about you. It's about my son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so whether it's the carpet here at church or it's a new boss at work or it's a husband that didn't do or an ex-wife that does, it's not all about you. And let the past be the past. Forget the past. Forgive the past. Number three, flip over to Psalm 103. Number three, the offering boxes. They've become suggestion boxes they're not suggestion boxes okay the father forgives the repentant 
And don't focus on all the negative things that are going on. Not everything's going to go your way. Not everything's going to line up the way you want it to line up. Not every decision that's made at church or at home or at work or on the street is going to be the decision you would make. But that's life, isn't it? And it's a tactic of the enemy to get you trucked up on all these little things and a few big things along the way to get your eyes diverted and distracted from what's important. And one of the things he uses to divert and distract is your past. So forget your past. Forgetting, Paul says. It's a constant decision. So a song comes up and reminds you of the past, forget it. An image comes up, you see it on a bus, you see it on the side, a sign's up there, a color's, it, just forget it. I forget. I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. I'm not looking back. You're not taking me back there. I'm not going back there. I have been freed in Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward. And that's the life that we live. What an exciting time it is. So you forget the past. Number two, you forgive the past. Number three, you forsake the past. You forsake the past. Psalm 103, what a great song. Great is the Lord, he starts out. It's just so wonderful. Let me get there with you. Psalm 103, we'll just pick up and kind of zoom through beginning in verse 1. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Circle that word all. Don't forget all of his benefits. All his benefits. I mean, God is so gracious and bountiful toward us. Don't forget that. Who forgives how many of your iniquities? All. You might want to circle those words. Don't forget all of his benefits, and then don't forget that he's forgiven you all of your iniquities. That's very, very helpful, is it not? When someone sins against us. When someone sins against us and the pain is so hard and so heavy, there is a tendency in our lives to forget that we ourselves sin that we ourselves have caused great harm and pain. And the psalmist just wants us to know, don't, don't, don't forget the Lord who forgives all your iniquities. Don't forget all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. You were one step away from destruction, weren't you? I mean, it was right there. Some of you saw it, some of you didn't, but you were right there, it was so close. And yet the Lord redeemed you. He crowns you with what? Verse 4. Crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes judgments. Verse 6. Justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. And then verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, isn't he? Do you agree with that? He sure is, slow to anger. He abounds in mercy. He won't always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He's not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. That is amazing. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. We forsake. We forsake our past. We forsake it. We forsake it. Forsake literally means to let sink or drop. That's what the word means. Isn't it great when Jesus tells us, I'll never leave you or what? Forsake. I'm never going to let you sink. 
I'm never going to let you drop so far away. I'm there for you. I am for you, not against you. I'm not going to forsake you. And in that context, we love that word. And so when we take that word and we say, let's forsake the past, let's forsake our past, let's forsake your past, then what we're letting it, we're just letting it sink. We're dropping it. We're letting it go. Forsaking the past. Over and over, the Bible says that God will not forsake you. He'll never let you sink. He won't let you drop. And he's full of mercy and compassion. He's slow to anger. And he says to you today, I forgive you. I'll take your sins and I'll throw them away. I'll cast them away. I'll drive them away because of what my son Jesus Christ has done for you. Taking your sins upon himself. You're forgiven today, tomorrow. You're forgiven past, present, future. The forgiveness of God is powerful. Forsake your past. Let it sink. Let it drop. Please, friends, seriously, stop letting the past become an excuse for your inactivity today. I know some of you have experienced horrendous things, painful things, but I'm so thankful that they're in the past. They're over. It's done. And the moment, see, even if they happened when you weren't a Christian, God was for you, tenderly loving you, drawing you to himself, washing you and changing you and taking away that little root of bitterness and, and, and comforting you in that pain and, and causing you to have that one good night's sleep or that good week of rest and calm or that month. And then the month became a year. And, and now just that past has just been so episodic. And yet... The enemy always wants you to use the past as an excuse for inactivity today. And I say, don't do that. The past isn't holding you back, but you might be holding on to your past. Let it go. Let it sink. Let God begin to do that work in the areas where your hands, you know, it's, it's like a child with a toy. You go down into the nursery, into the area, when they're playing with the toys, and there's only a couple of toys, and they get that toy, and, and they, they, they become superhuman, those kids. And you go, Johnny, Johnny, give me the toy. You gotta pry their fingers off. And so you take one finger off, they get to grab them and you're holding, and they're holding on to them. And some of you are holding on to your past, and, and the Holy Spirit's just trying to pry your fingers off of them. So let go of it. Let it sink. Forsake. It's a little different than forgetting, isn't it? Forgetting is in the mind, forsaking is in the life. So you just say, I'm letting it go, I'm letting it sink, I'm letting it go. As you let it sink into the sea of forgetfulness, it's back there and you're right here. It's back there, you're right here. There's therefore now, right now, here and now, no condemnation for those that walk according to the Spirit. The Spirit walk is forward and progressive and spiritually alive, but with those that walk in the flesh, it's backwards, it's regressive, and it brings spiritual death, it brings waste. What do I do with my past? Forget your past, forgive the past, and forsake the past. You're listening to Abounding Grace and part of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in Romans. To hear this again, stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. And I also want to recommend a series Pastor Ed delivered recently that deals with this very subject. It's called Free From Our Past and available right now on our app. Search for Calvary Aurora to download that app today. 
Maybe you've used the Voice Memo app on your phone for various reasons. Well, we'd like to encourage you to use it to send Pastor Ed a question. Or you might even share a testimony of how God is using abounding grace in your life. We might use it on a future radio program, so we ask that you please keep it relatively short. Just record your question or testimony and then email it to us at ed at edtaylor.org. That's ed at edtaylor.org. Well, as you know, Valentine's Day falls within the month of February, and with that in mind, we thought we'd recommend a book that can be of some help to our single listeners in particular. It's called A Love Letter Life and written by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. They write, if you can fall into love, you can fall out. True love is something you choose to live out each day through your actions, decisions, and sacrifices. That's just a taste of what you'll receive in A Love Letter Life. Learn how to date intentionally, pursue creatively, and love faithfully. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Thank you for your generous support. It is one huge avenue of God's supply and helps us cover some of the costs of being on the radio. You can make a secure donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'll return to Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.